I mean, I don't suppose you can find, like, a transcript of the movie online. It's probably not, like, something that anyone's bothered to do. Scripts. That's a Lucy movie script. That's not kind of <laughs> what is that? Lucy. What's the full title? <laughs> I imagine if the movie Lucy was about Lucille Ball. That would be <laughs> fucking incredible. Uh, <laughs> she skips the joint. What's the full title? Welcome to another episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down with a troubled movie and a themed cocktail and talk about what worked, what didn't, and how they would fix it. But this week is a mini. Uh, before we get to any of that, I am Chris Ravel. I'm Lee Delahanty. I am Brendan Drishwood. Well, that was a great dramatic pause. Thanks. You. Oh, you're just killing me with Antissa's. <laughs> Patient. Yeah, so in about two weeks, we're or going precisely to, two weeks. Or, <laughs> in precisely two weeks, uh, we're gonna be watching the film I'm with Lucy from what year, Brendan? Two thousand and two, directed by someone named John Sherman, mm-hmm. who doesn't seem to have done much else. <laughs> cool. Um, starring Monica Potter, Harold Ramis is there, Craig Bierko, John Hanna, David Boreanaz, Gail Garcia Bernal, Anthony LaPaglia, actually I don't know how to Paglia, LaPaglia. LaPaglia. Mm-hmm. and Henry Thomas. It's a rom-com. Yeah. I think there seems to be some sort of a gimmick to it, which I kind of like. I like which a movie with a gimmick. Is dating different men? Like speed dating almost? It's, well, well, I don't think it's, it's speed dating. I think it's like over the course of a year or something. From um, it's not really like... Uh, it's it's a movie that takes place um, what, asynchronously. Uh-huh. So you're watching her like date, go through five first dates... But it's broken up but with it's other broken shots up of with other, other dates. first okay. dates. Yeah. All right. But they are from different. I think it's more than a year. Okay. I think some of the people she dates for quite a while. Okay. But like you are seeing her dating different guys. And it's like my understanding is also just from what I saw with B. It's like it starts with her like getting married or something, and it's like who's she getting married to? And something then you like see that, like yeah. all the dates. And she's the dating like, one of these. She's marrying one of these. Guys. Right. And at the end, it's like, and it was this fellow yeah. all along. I'm excited yeah. when uh, when Lee sold it to us as being a like. Uh, a like literal a, dating like sim. Like a dating sim. I was like, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, I, what Jupiter Ascending could not give me. It'll force us to be more creative in our fixes than to say, I wish this was a dating sim. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. um, and what are we drinking? Well, to, to drink, we will be having a four-hour relief. And what that's going to be is sparkling cranberry juice, an ounce and a half of vodka, half an ounce of lime juice, and some orange bitters. You're just going to stir the vodka and the lime juice in a glass with ice, top it with sparkling cranberry juice, and add a dash of orange bitters. It's very simple, very low energy, very low key, feels like the sort of thing that you might drink if you were in a rom-com in the early 2000s, vaguely Cosmo-esque. I like it. Yeah, there it is. I mean, it sounds yummy from the recipe. Yeah. And I, I like that we're continuing our year of simplicity. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, well, let's see what happens when we get to, like, Halloween or something. Right. We go nuts. Get more dry ice out. Yep, get that dry ice. I mean, we're, we're marching ever closer to October. It's I know. We're on it the will cusp be, of It will be the September. next movie after. Spooky I'm with Lucy. Are here. Yep. You can I'm, get a pumpkin spice latte. I'm getting spoopy with Lucy. Yes. <laughs> I'm with Spooky. We'll, we'll workshop is it. it yeah, is one of her boyfriends a ghost? That's what we find out at the end. That would be a fun That's twist. That's why she can't marry him. Is Gail Garcia Bernal playing the ghost of the singer from Vamps that Sigourney Weaver would have killed? <laughs> I hope so. Just for a, yeah. a White Watch Continuity. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, to pick up on... 
you know, in our last mini, we we heard from Lee pitching their jukebox musical. So now it is my turn. Yes, pitcher's um, mound jukebox so musical. I'm, I'm winding up, Chris, for the pitch. Um, so there is a little bit of background I want to give before I launch into this exactly, just because I think there's a little bit of explaining to do with like how I put this together. Lucy. Um, anyway. Anyway. Your pitch. So yeah, uh, I had had this idea back when I was in college, but didn't really like feel it out. So when we talked about pitching musicals, I was like, yes. So I remember I had read this, I, I, I took this really cool mythology course in school, uh, in college, um, and we read, it was basically just reading a bunch of plays of... This is not the first time ancient Greek theaters come up for you. Oh, I know. I really like Baby it. Baby loves this ancient Greek theater. I, lo- I love ancient Greek theater. Yeah. Um, and so we basically just read a bunch of ancient Greek plays that were explicitly about kind of like mortals' interactions with gods. Because not all of them are like, I mean, most of them are, but not all of them There's are a like lot that. Of that. They keep going back to that well, don't they? <laughs> they, really, they really liked it. Um, so the, the, the play that I'm choosing already kind of has a script. So in terms of story, I wasn't really coming up with a new one necessarily. I was just trying to find ways to like reinterpret it. So the play I chose was The Bacchae. Have either of you ever read that one? The no. what, what? The Bacchae. The Bacchae. As in those Spell that follow it. Bacchus. Oh, okay. Uh, B-A-C-C-H-I-A-E. Like, yeah, okay. No, I have not. Yeah. I was like, how did they know about I was Bach? trying to figure <laughs> So, in... I foresaw the great... The birth of a great composer. <laughs> Bach! Or I. Freddie Bach Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I foresaw the birth of a great... It's the Ernie Bach Jr. jukebox musical. Every song is just the same. Ernie Bach Jr. Everything is... Or he uses the music of Bach to tell the story of Ernie Bach Jr. <laughs> I'm actually throwing right, I'm pitch yeah, I'm jettisoning everything I had so far. This is my pitch now. Um, so basically, the, the general arc of the story of the Bacchae is that... Uh, so Dionysus, what, he came from a mortal mother mm-hmm. who was sort of ascended through God, to godhood through her... Having sex with, with Zeus. Um, and that always the way, fellas. <laughs> huge shocker. Uh, but uh, she was a princess of Thebes. So in, in the Bacchae, essentially, uh, Dionysus notices that his no fun cousin Pentheus is now king of Thebes. And he basically, and uh, Pentheus has basically declared a, uh, like a, a footloose type law in Thebes, <laughs> where no dancing, no celebration, none of that. We really need to get serious, okay? Um, and he decides, um, I'm going to, I'm not only going to fuck with Pentheus, but I'm going to try to topple him so that I can take Thebes over and make it like my... Party city. My, my big party Exactly. Yeah. Um, we know we know what Bacchus do and or Dionysus the, no, depending. Party City yeah. the big That's twist true. of this is that amongst the Bacchae, also called Maenads, um, is Pentheus's mother, Agave, uh, who is sort of like one of the like there there really is no rank in the Bacchae, but she's kind of like the it girl of Bacchae's. Of, of the Bacchae? I think Bacchae is plural. Um, it would be, right? So, yes. So, uh, the title of this, I actually took it from one of the songs that I used. I, um, in terms of, like, era, I had started off just wanting to do New Wave, but that was, it was way too hard to find different kind of sounds and directions within that. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I, it was, it's more kind of like, it's New Wave, it's post-punk, it's mainly late 80s, a little bit of early 90s, but kind of within that, uh, five to seven year period. What about uh-huh. synthwave? <laughs> what about vaporwave? What about dark wave? 
There's some synth wave in there. Yeah. There's crossover between okay. these things. I know there is. Um, and I also was trying to generally assign uh, different uh, like singers or bands to different people. So generally speaking, the Bacchae, with very few exceptions, are singing uh, Susie and the Banshees songs mm-hmm. simply because it has that a sort of like trippy but kind of like confrontational vibe. Uh, and Dionysus mainly just sings Bowie. Um, and then there's some other stuff thrown in there, too. Uh, so, getting into that. So basically what I did, by the way, to put this together was I found a pretty accurate uh, synopsis, and then I just I embellished it and added songs and made it more specific about what's happened on stage. Uh, all right. So the play begins before the uh, begins before the palace at Thebes with Dionysus telling the story of his birth and his reasons for visiting the city. Uh, the song Gold- Golden Years by David Bowie is sung by Dionysus as he is shown visiting worshippers and answering their prayers. He explains that he is the son of a mortal woman, Semele, who, and a god, Zeus. And uh, basically, like, the, uh, Dionysus' followers are uh, sort of pantomiming the events of his story through dance. I want there to be a lot of that happening. It's almost like cats, very dance heavy. Um, just because a lot of this is about like losing yourself in, in like ecstatic movement and mm-hmm. you literally go insane from joy and <laughs> dancing and laughter. Um, so he um Summon Thebes, as he notes, do not believe in him or his story. In fact, Semele's sisters, uh, Atone, Agave and Aino claim it is a lie intended to cover up the fact that Semele became pregnant by a mortal. Um, so yeah, as I said, this is sort of done as interpretive dance as uh, Dionysus kind of narrates through song. Uh, Dionysus reveals that he has driven the women of Thebes mad, including his three aunts, and has led them into the mountains to observe his, like, ritual festivities. Uh-huh. Um, they, I want to have uh, the... I want to sort of show the three, his three aunts succumbing to this mm-hmm. um, through the song uh, Religious as Hell by the March Violets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of just like a very somewhat discordant sounding song, but it builds. And I like this idea of it sort of illustrating how they're like just kind of fraying apart and becoming lunatics. Um, and yeah, so I, I just want to see them kind of just like slowly becoming, like, wilder and stuff like that. Uh, he's dis- uh, Dionysus has disguised himself as a mortal for the time being, but he plans to vindicate his mother by appearing before all of Thebes as a god and the son of Zeus and establishing his permanent cult. Um, he is going to sing Cat People by David Bowie, also known as Putting Out the Fire with Gasoline. Um, sung- he's singing that as he kind of leads his rabble off into the mountains to kick things off. Uh, the chorus, which is just going to be composed of all of the Bacchae, they enter. Uh, they perform an ode in praise of Dionysus, which is spellbound by Susie and the Banshees. Mm. Um, then uh, Tiresias, the blind and utterly seer, appears. He calls for Cadmus, the founder and former king of Thebes, who's also uh, Dionysus's grandfather, I think. Um, so the two old men, uh, they like... They're in, like, a good mood. They're specifically headed out to the mountains to kind of engage in this revelry. Um, I want them to be (laughs) performing at least a part of Vacation by the Go-Go's until Pentheus enters, and then the music just dies off awkwardly. Like, the bass player stops, like, Right, exactly. (laughs) 
Because, I mean, in this telling, Pentheus, at least especially in that original play, he's so just like a stop-having-fun guy. Um, that crusty old Dean. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> is, this, is this actually where Footloose came from? I don't know, potentially. <laughs> that would actually be pretty great. If there were, like, actually, I have a lot more respect for Footloose if it turns out it was like a modern-day adaptation of an ancient Greek play. And it's yeah. like Kevin Bacon is supposed to be Dionysus or yep. something. Yep. <laughs> and then who's, who's Pentheus in this case? Um... Who's Pen- Jonathan Lithgow? Yeah, that would be Jonathan Lithgow. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, uh, Pentheus enters and the music dies off awkwardly. He's disgusted to find the two old men in festival dress and scolds them and orders his soldiers to arrest anyone engaging in Dionysian worship, including the mysterious quote-unquote foreigner who has somehow introduced this hot new fad of worshipping Dionysus. Um, <laughs> who could it be? All the kids are doing it. Right. Uh, Pentheus intends to have him stoned to death. Um, I want to have him sing the logical song by Supertramp in Soliloquy. Have you ever heard that one before? Mm-mm. Uh, no. My dad used to play it a lot, which was very out of character with his usual dad rock choices. Yeah. But it lodged in my head because it's this... Uh, I think it came out in like 79. I'm cheating it. In, but uh, it's basically a song about how this person uh, kind of misses when you're a child and things are sort of beautiful and wonderful, but that as you grow older, you kind of get smothered by responsibility and expectations and it sort of snuffs out joy. Um, I wanted to give that to him only because there's a lot of lines in it about uh, kind of finding the idea of joy and expressing that joy as like radical in a bad way. Mm -hmm. But I, even if Pentheus, at least in the original play, Mm -hmm. is this very kind of like stock villain, I don't think that's interesting. It's not. So I, I would at least like to tip of like he's not happy being this joyless. He just feels some some sense of obligation to kind of inflict this on others. He's like, well, now I'm king. I need to be responsible, and everyone else has got to do that too. Okay, none of this none of this Dionysian having fun. Um, so the guards soon return with Dionysus, Dionysus himself in tow, Pentheus, but he's still in disguise. Pentheus questions him, both skeptical of and fascinated by his by the Dionysian rites. Uh, Dionysus' answers are cryptic. Um, I wanted him to maybe, I'm not sh- totally sure about this one, but everyone wanted to rule the world by tears for fears as answers to his questions, just because I think within that context, it could potentially be mocking. I wasn't 100% on that song choice. I just couldn't find one that I felt like... Worked better. Yeah. You can do different things. Like, again, I've heard my favorite cover of that song is like a orchestral cover. I think you've played it for yeah, me before. Yeah, it sounds very, like, um, sort of sinister, which I like better for the song. Um, I do too. But so you could do things with a song tonally to change to shift it as well. I also think it's not unheard of just to step back in jukebox musicals to fudge lyrics a little bit as needed for oh. you know yeah yeah or Sometimes, to not do the whole song right. only a fragment of it is what you need. right right. Sometimes we just we futz with what we have. Um, and uh, bu- 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 so yeah, I kind of want it to be like almost like he's giving mocking answers to his questions. Uh, Pentheus has Dionysus taken away and chained to an angry bull in the palace stable. Uh, But the god kind of now shows his power and breaks free and raises the palace with an earthquake and a fire. Um, I want him to sing the song. I had not heard about it until I started, like, looking around for music that might work for this, but The Politics of Dancing by Reflex. I don't know that. Um, It's literally about the idea of, uh, like, politicians trying to legislate 
appropriate dancing and like what's an okay way to have fun and feel good and I was like that's pretty germane to this conflict Um, I think in general I was trying to look for songs that got at not necessarily even just like a order versus chaos thing which I think is Mm. a pretty easy thing here but there is also this sort of like Pentheus feels like he needs to be very very stoic, very masculine, very logical, and Dionysus kind of represents, and is backed by a group of just, like, freewheeling women, basically. I liked that idea of masculine versus feminine. I liked the idea of kind of what happens a little bit later, of there being, like, a queering of Pentheus that sort of leads to his undoing. I just think, all like, those conflicts are really interesting to play with in there. Um, but yeah, I want him to th- sing Politics of Dancing, sort of a rebellious anthem, and uh, I want there to be sort of I don't know if this is a thing, so I guess a more th- theater uh, knowledgeable people. A dance vignette? Dance vignettes? Yeah. I guess? What do you mean by vignette? Like, you just mean, what, like a series of... Little, like, dance scenes to illustrate the, the chaos unfolding in the city as... Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that just be a dance I guess sequence? So. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, it's the groups of yeah, dancers on stage. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the vignette part, I think, that threw me. But okay, yeah, yeah, I think that would just be a dance sequence. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I kind of wanted to show like various examples of like his influence spreading in Thebes. So like everyone is sort of, whether or not they're consciously engaging in it or not, are starting to kind of yeah. loosen up. I think that's a conversation you have with a choreographer, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I'm having a lot of conversations. I think a good one will tell you, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and a bad one, I'll just fire. <laughs> yep. um, <laughs> they say they can't do it. Then you find someone who can. Listen, you're either with me or against me. Um, so Dionysus and Pentheus are once again at odds when a herdsman arrives from the top of the mountain uh, where he has been herding uh, his grazing cattle. Uh, he reports that he found women on the mountain behaving strangely, wandering in the forest, suckling animals, uh, twining snakes into their hair, and performing That's miraculous gross. feats. Uh, it's clearly our pals, the Bacchae. Um, I want them to, again, like in kind of like weird chorus, uh, sing the song Kiss Them For Me by Susie and the Banshees, which has a very like psychedelic uh, sort of wandering sound to it, which I think is really appropriate for what we would be seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh Want them to kind of dance and perform a, like different illustrations of what he's of what he saw them doing. So obviously, like that's that's a pretty weird shit, especially the suckling animals part. Um, the herdsmen and the shepherds make a plan to capture one particular celebrant who happens to be Pentheus's mother, Agave. Uh, but when they jumped out of hiding to grab her, the Bacchae became frenzied and pursued them. The men escaped, but their cattle were not so fortunate as the women fell upon the animals, ripping them to shreds <laughs> with their bare hands. <laughs> Uh, the women carried on plundering two villages that were further down the mountain, stealing bronze, iron, and even babies. Uh, when I Dylan... feel like we've done a transition from, like, harmless fun to, like, psychotic. Can yeah. I ask a question? Uh, a Greek mythology yeah. question? What, what, who are Street Fighters? What are the, <laughs> what are the Bacchae compared to Dionysus? They don't worship Bacchae. They worship Dionysus. They okay. And what the Bacchae attempt to do at all times is to access what they call ecstasy. But when they're referring to that, it's not just feeling... So are they like Cenobites, basically? <laughs> kind of. They it's, take it too far. There are times where they're not in trance, right? But yeah. the goal is to work yourself up into such an ecstatic lather that you literally go insane. Okay. And so they're like him Cattrall, and that they never once for even an hour. <laughs> to never be yes. themselves. Yes. But it's uh, the deeper they get into that trance, the more uh, kind of violent and animalistic. Are they it like becomes. directly? 
uh, in this story so far, are they working with Dionysus? Yes. Okay. They're with him. And this is also operating on the ancient Greek idea that, so Dionysus created wine, right? But Dionysus's influence is canonically insanity. Like, he makes you feel insane. Okay. You feel great, but you're you're a lunatic. Yeah. And it goes with the idea that they believe drinking wine would put you in a temporary crazy, like, state because they didn't really know how to... Explain drunkenness. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that they're trying to take it to its logical extent that if you were a, like, chosen worshiper of Dionysus... You embrace You that. access the, like, the trance plus, kind of. Um, <laughs> so $16 a month. It's not just like you're having a great yeah, time. No it's ads. like... It's like, um, you know, I think this is dumb as hell, but it's like when a sports team wins, so people have a riot. It's like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this, okay back, back. We live in Boston. We know what that's like. I, which, by the way, is so dumb. Uh, yeah, Torp, I also just love the specific... That's why I, I fucking love these old plays, where it's the specificity of the things they stole from these villages. Bronze, iron, and babies. You know, the, the three things everyone needs. Um, when the villagers attempt to fight back, the women have dr- are, drove them off using only their ceremony ceremonial staffs, staffs of fennel. I just love imagining that, by the way. Fennel? Uh, fennel. I have no idea how, how that's possible. Off with fennel? fennel, yeah. I feel like fennel doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, you know. Strength. Yeah, I was like, yeah. once you wax them with that fennel, it's kind of done. Yeah. Um... I kind of want this whole scene to be with the song uh, New Skin by Susie and the Banshees, which, to put this in context, is the end credit song for Showgirls. Mm-hmm. So it is a much more aggressive, but no less kind of loopy sounding song. Uh, they then returned to the mountaintop and washed up and washed up. And this is one of the most bizarre details, but they're washed by snakes licking them clean. I don't know why. Greek. Why not? Greek myth is fun. Uh, Dionysus, still in disguise, persuades Pentheus to forego his plan to defeat and massacre the women uh, with his armed force. He says it would be better for f- first to spy on them while disguised as a f- as one of the main ants or the Bacchae to avoid detection. So this is where the this is kind of the major turn in the play, where essentially you're meant to see that Dionysus's influence over kind of everyone has started to reach a climax, um, and he basically. Uh, he helps Pentheus dress up as one of the main heads, one of the Bacchae. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of, as this is happening, it's sort of Pentheus is, like, majorly sacrificing his sanity to get to this place, pretty much. Um, and I would love for this whole makeover number, this deranged makeover number, to be uh, set to Venus by a Bananarama. Um, because also at this point, uh, Pentheus is, like, becoming fully crazed, and he believes he, like, sees two suns in the sky, and he thinks he now has the, like, strength to rip up mountains with his bare hands. Um, I want him to sing You Spin Me Round by Dead or Alive, um, kind of as an illustration of that insanity. Uh, he has also begun to see through Dionysus's mortal disguise, perceiving his kind of, like, satyr horns that he usually has. Um, and, but they exit to the mountain, Uh, A messenger arrives to report that once the party reached the mountain, Pentheus wanted to climb an evergreen tree to get a better view, and uh, that the, who he thinks is the stranger, but is really Dionysus in disguise, uh, uses his divine powers to bend the tree down and place the king in its highest branches so he can get up higher. Um, Dionysus reveals himself and uh, basically points him out to his followers. 
uh, he's, I want him to sing Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division uh, to sort of whip the Bakai up into their usual frenzy. Uh, led by Agave, Pentheus's mother, they force the trap Pentheus down from the treetop and then rip his limbs and head off, tearing his body into pieces. Um, this is going to be done to Rhapsody by Susie and the Banshees uh, because they're very happily and joyously doing this. What's the tone of this? Uh, you mean the play itself? Or your version. Is um, this a comedy? Is this a drama? I wouldn't say a drama per se. Okay. Or a, a, rather, I wouldn't say a comedy per se. I think it's, mo- I think, I want to, this is going to sound like a cheat, but I'm going to say like arch drama. It's not without a sense of humor, but it's not exactly making jokes. Okay. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to pull punches on how like Greek plays usually take hard left turns into like violence and stuff like that. Yeah. Plus, I just like this. I find the idea fascinating of being so jubilant. You shoot the moon and become like a rampaging berserker, and just <laughs> like the idea of that coming not from rage but just from overwhelming joy is fascinating, kind of scary to me. And I just I don't know. I I I find that idea very attractive. Isn't that what? No, obviously the Greeks did it first, obviously. But isn't that what Neil Gaiman did? As always, Delirium. Mm-hmm. Didn't she sort of delight? Yeah. And then she went nuts and became delirium, and, and there, and there, no one knows why, but it's like kind of connects that same like, well, one leads to the the other. And I, thing. I find that connection to be so because it, it does it it comes up a lot throughout fiction, just throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. Is those are two kind of connected concepts, and I think it's really interesting that on some level we see happiness as insane, and then we see what unhappiness as being more sane or more realistic. I just think that's a really fascinating idea. And again, an interesting conflict here. Yeah. I think Uh, both are bad on extremes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Although I don't think in real life, like, I don't find this idea that you could be so happy you turn violent. I mean, I see that as being an illustration of how you could become too drunk and become violent. But just becoming happy on its own leading to violence, I don't really see. I don't know that they're equating... I don't know that the Greeks here are maybe equating it with happiness, per se. I think they're just saying that wine just makes like a loss of control. Yeah. Feel good. And feeling pleasure, seeking pleasure can make you go. Hedonism. That's yeah. true. Insane. The pursuit of it. Because... And it can also be very destructive. Yeah. Because especially when... Like, that's what the Cenobites thing is, right? Because right. it's like... Mm-hmm. You get used to the levels you're at and then you have to go to crazier heights just to keep to getting get the, that to get the rush. Again, right? I mean, yeah. it's addiction, right? It's always addiction. Yeah. After this is kind of all occurs, we're back at the palace. Um, we're back off the mountaintop. Agave arrives carrying her son's bloodied head and singing in her God-maddened state. Uh, she believes it's the head of a mountain lion. Like she's literally not seeing that she is responsible, at least partially for the death of her son. Um, she proudly displays the head to her father, Cadmus, who is confused as to why he does not delight in her trophy and is instead horrified by it. Uh, Gave calls out for Pentheus to come marvel at her at this feat that she's pulled off and uh, to nail the head above her door so that she can show it off to all of Thebes. And I want her to be singing bits still of uh, the song that they killed him to, Rhapsody, uh, as if that joy from earlier is still kind of like running out of her system. Uh, but the madness begins to wane, and Cadmus forces her to recognize that she has destroyed her own son. Uh, was feeling the song Mad World by Tears for Fears. I actually like that better than the Gary Jewell cover. <laughs> the one they did in Donnie No, Darko, I know, I know, yeah. Which I think is too overtly mopey. I actually kind of like how the Tears for Fears version is 
on the surface very energetic, mm. but the lyrics are a hardcore bummer. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that combination, especially for this person who's meant to be very, like, up all the time. Uh, as the play ends, the corpse of Pentheus is reassembled as well as is possible, and the royal family is devastated and destroyed. Agave and her sisters are sent into exile, and Dionysus decrees that Cadmus and his wife Harmonia will be turned into snakes and leads a barbarian horde out to plunder the rest of Greece. And as he exits, we get a reprise of Cat People by David Bowie. So, do we... What's the moral? There really is not one. I'm I just curious. So, like, I, I, I guess, I, like, my, my thing I would say, just because I gave Lee, like, one suggestion yeah, after we were done... Go for it. Is that I would... I, I think I would look more to, say, finding the theme or the spirit of the original piece rather than adhering so closely to it. Because I feel like you're ending on a real bummer, <laughs> where like someone has killed, and, and it's not to say that you can, not to say that you cannot be a musical, obviously, and deal with like you know right. Sweeney Todd obviously course. deals entirely with like the concept of revenge and how it destroys everything you love. But I, I feel like also by and large jukebox musicals tend to be a little more, shall we say, frivolous yes, in nature. True. Um, unless it's unless you're doing like a bio jukebox musical, and it's like this is the story of how the band like got addicted to drugs, right. and now it sucks for them. Mm. So that was like the. I, I feel like you might want to look more at just like what is the tone? Right, what is the message of the story? Like rather than adhering so strictly to like them ripping a guy's head off and her displaying it, being like it's a mountain lion and everyone having to be like, no, no, look close. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> see that. <laughs> Take another look. I, sis. I think that's probably something I wish I had done was get a clear idea of the tone. I think the thing that attracted me to this idea was to put a frivolous framework like a jukebox musical on something that is so, like, violent and severe uh, in its actions. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying it... I'm sure it's been done before. I'm just struggling to think off the top of my um, head of what an example of it would be. There was be. one in Boston that it was in my mind. Uh, didn't they do a rock musical version of Prometheus? Did they? Who's they? Uh, I think it was, like, the Emerson ART, or whatever that experimental theater was. Was it a jukebox musical? Uh, I'm not sure. Because I think that's, like, that's the difference, Prometheus I think. Prometheus Bound? Yeah. Because I think that's the difference that, um... Yeah, this seems to be an original musical at the ART. Yeah. Uh, Steven Sater, who was involved in Spring Awakening. Um, yeah, I do remember the show. Gavin Creel, I believe, was in it. Um, this was a while ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2011. Um, yeah, because it, it's not, again, like, that's that's the thing. It's not that, like, a musical can't deal with serious stuff. I think it's more just that, like... Balanced. Well, I'm just saying more that, like, jukebox like, and again, I'm not... Like, there's probably something that I just can't think of that's a jukebox musical and deals with that. I feel like that, like, the issue is I'm not saying that you can't expand the form or try to make it better. It's just that I think jukebox musicals tend to be shows, dare I say, for tourists. Yeah. And tourists tend to be stupid <laughs> or at least they're, they're not they're, they're not, not seeking not a challenging for, right not here for the greek ancient greeks right because but here's the thing though because there have been jukebox musicals that have dealt with the frameworks of like older stories like right now on broadway there's something there's a musical called Anne juliet which is yes like, right, i heard about that right which is effectively like anne hathaway talking to william shakespeare being like this is a fucking downer like can you make an ending where juliet's more self-actualized yeah and like that's what that's about and there was head over heels the go-go's jukebox mm -hmm. musical and so it's like it's i i think like it's certainly um you know uh, what's what's the word i'm looking for like it's certainly like a good and valid idea to look to 
plays of the past and sort of do that. But maybe leaven them. Well, yeah, I just feel like I haven't seen one that's dealt with like such like a fucking tragedy, you know? Like right. so like is the, would this this would be considered I assume a tragedy, right? I think so, because yeah. Because she kills her son. Right. Right. Okay. I guess well, there is a I did approach this with a certain amount of remove and I guess more just sort of like amusement at how like heightened and crazy ancient theater was. Mm-hmm. But I see how that doesn't that could be like a weird match with the more kind of like bouncy, not not quite. I would say the one, the only example I can think of, and this mm-hmm. was not an inspiration because I actually think this musical is bad. Yeah. Uh, but the Jagged Little Pill jukebox musical that's fair. is nonstop dark shit. No, that's. But true. I think the unchallenging aspect of it is none of it ever feels real, and it's all incredibly broad. Right. And, I like, mean, th- there's a, a lot of other shit we can talk about for the Jagged Little Pill musical. Um. I, I feel like Jagged Little Pill, I don't want to say works. I would I say I, really don't think I would it say it works in so much as it is based off of an album that has sort of a more serious tone mm-hmm. or something like that, and it's more kind of grounded in that sense of reality versus, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a Greco-Roman play tragedy, from, right, from hundreds of years ago. So like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, even if you were doing sort of like a modern day adaptation of Bacchae, and you were just sort of like I said, kind of looking at what spoke to you in this story and um, what themes or characters you find interesting, go more to that. That could be something. Yeah, and and like I'm really struggling because I feel like there must be some like very serious jukebox music. I guess Jagged Little Pill, frankly, might be the closest one to it. But maybe it's also kind of a sign that these yeah. that if there were other ones of a similar way, it, we don't remember it didn't break them. the surface. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So my main thing, my main question, I don't care about the seriousness. Do you think you do? Do you do you? Um, I do think that people are going there. I, I understand the concern of like wanting to go see a musical with Tears for Fears and these other bands that I actually don't have never heard of, but I'm sure people have and they're very bouncy and fun. But then you're not expecting yeah. people to get torn apart. Right. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I would say that's probably part of it too, um, it's, which is not to say again that like things like, you know, um, uh, uh, oh my god Tears for Fears Mad World is not mm-hmm. like you know it's like you said there are it's like it's you know it's a pretty dour subject matter just looking at the lyrics straight up and so you know it's it's which is not to say that these bands did not write songs that were not you know just frivolous fun like happy songs but they also you know dealt with some more dour serious emotions right. so like you yeah. certainly could but I agree with Lee I feel like because if you say like we're going to go see, like, this new jukebox musical. It's got David Bowie and Susie and the Banshees. I feel like it puts, like, an image in your head. I do have an expectation that maybe yeah. the rest of it gets. Um, the other thing, that was sort of the first of, that was the, the prelude to a thought, um, which is <laughs> that for all of that, I that's what I like about your ideas. Like, I like the crazy, I like that it's a wacky dance ballet about, like, I like that it's very dance-themed and that there's yeah. a lot of, like, crazy, um, you know. Dance like, sequences. Yeah. Fight and violent dance sequences. I could be really into seeing a show like that if I if I you know if I'm expecting a sort of like I don't know this is a bad I don't, I don't even like this director but if I'm expecting a sort of like Tarantino esque like heightened experience of like a lot of like you know crazy Would you light like Tamor, and effects maybe Tamor yeah. Could be, yeah but I don't I only know about the movie so I don't know about her stage her work stage work oh she also did do Lion King yeah so and she also did a. Not good. We all uh, know about Spider Man. Yeah, we all oh, know about Spider Man. There was another one before that. Well, that, there's she's done a lot um, of shit. She did yeah. a um, a version of uh, Beowulf that had <laughs> okay that had like the dragon and the dragonettes. But I, but I will forget if I don't continue. Yeah. Um, but um, so for all of that, 
Uh, I, that's what I like about it. But I will say that when you started talking about this, I didn't know anything about this story. And I was like, I was like, oh, so are we like, sh- are we rooting for Dionysus? And I don't think that's, we are. I think he's the villain. I guess that's the other thing, too. I guess it's sort of like, I, I, I realized that maybe, in like ancient... But I think we could root for him. Right. I agree. I think the thing in ancient Greco-Roman plays is because, you know, it was a different school of thought in terms of what you were presenting for theater. It wasn't necessarily so much like we have a protagonist and an anti... Mm-hmm. Or like, sometimes we do, but we don't always. Sometimes yeah. it's literally just... I'm telling happen. a story about, like, this thing a god did at one point. And so, yeah, I, I do kind of agree with it, because it also feels sort of like Dionysus as a character kind of disappears in Act 2 a little bit. Like, if if he is the main character, and maybe he's not, uh, it feels like he kind of falls apart. Like, maybe Agave is the main character here, because Agave feels like she's the one who kind of... She at least goes, has the emotional side Right, out. like, she kind of feels like that she's the one who goes on a journey here, in terms of, like, starting in one place and ending in another. Like, does Dionysus start in one place like he could I'm not saying you know right. like you couldn't rewrite it so that he did certainly right. technically but, they're related right because if Dionysus if Pentheus is his cousin Agave is his aunt yeah, yeah. Aunt. yeah. Okay. actually Lee when you were um, saying something about that the one thing I kind of thought about is I can't remember did we ever talk about um, the Billy Joel Jukebox musical moving out we well, talked okay. about it as the story of baby boomers in comparison to how mine is the story of <laughs> yes, <millennials>. right. <laughs> yes yes we did so right. the, like, the, the biggest central conceit I think for the for moving out the Billy Joel Jukebox musical in so much as it is one is that there is just the one singer in the band and the other performers are dancers and this was conceived by Twyla Tharp who is predominantly a choreographer mm-hmm. Like, maybe that's something, frankly, that you'd be better off doing. Like, a show that's entirely dance-based and has maybe, like, a singer or a handful of singers who are just kind of, like, narrating the story. But they're not actually in it. Right. Which and would so, actually be a really clever way to channel the Greek chorus concept. Right, yeah. And so that's something, too, to consider. Oh, if that was something Because I think it also, it lends enough, I think, abstraction to the form that you can kind of get away with being more heightened and mm-hmm. bizarre. Like, maybe that would be something, frankly, too. I don't know. I like that idea. Oh, because I did think a lot. I was like, God, I wish this could just be watched to this music. You right. There are voices, too, but the voices can be divorced from... Again, there could be, like, a singing chorus and a dancing chorus. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. You would just have performers dancing, and they don't have yeah. to worry about singing whatsoever. I'd love that. And you just have, like, you know, an ensemble on stage who are singing, like, their thoughts as yeah. these people are dancing. Which, like I said, I think it lends some distance to it, so it allows you to accept, like, the more absurd, shall we say, elements of Greek yeah. plays. But I think you, if, I, I, like if I know what I'm signing up for, like, if I know going in that it's going to be, like, wacky and crazy and psychedelic and violent, I'm f- I'm all in for this idea. <laughs> like, I just need that... I think it, if yeah, I feel like it, if show, it's a surprise, it's right. I, I think good. this is going to be a question of like, how do you advertise the show at the end of the day, right? Like, like you have a crate, you've got to have a really good poster that's very clear, like like very clearly somebody like somebody holding up a head, right? I was going to say like, there's going to be blood on someone as yeah. they're holding up body parts, but then maybe the head is smiling, but, like, it's, <laughs> but it's got like confetti in the background, right? right. You know right. I mean? Like there's there's color and vibrancy. Yeah. That's true. Like if if the marketing. <laughs> Of this hypothetical jukebox musical of mine. Listen, could it's re- all part of the pitch. Yeah. Could reflect the 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 bright uh and energetic uh presentation with the darker, more violent subject matter, I think that would be yeah, yeah very yeah. wise. Yeah. I like that. That's really a smart idea. But no, I like it. I actually kind of would like the I I would like it if you were kind of meant to be Team Dionysus a little bit in the show. Like, if you're meant... I think if you do that, the part I need to change is it... I feel like then Pentheus can't be torn apart. 
because I, I feel think, like that's hard he, to root for. I think he can. I think he can. I think that people are okay. I think this is an era of ether rich. And oh, I think good if point. You market it, if you say like he's straight up bad, and it's like, I think I think it's fine to have Dionysus be like a sort of like. I mean, this is again another Tupac musical reference, but like Saint, what is his name? Saint Jimmy, the guy from yeah, from American Idiot. American Idiot, where yeah. it's like is a sort of anarchic figure. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. It's like there's. There's like some good, right? A lot of bad, right? <laughs> a lot of bad, a lot of too far energy, but yeah. like something that you can kind of be like that people can can make Tumblr posts about, afterwards. right? Yeah. You know well, what I mean? And then I think instead of him going off to conquer the rest of the cities of Hellas, it's he is going to like spread his chill vibes so everyone can have the summer of love yeah. or whatever the or, fuck. This or is. not quite chill vibes, but right. like crazy yeah. rave vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! It should have probably been a rave. That would have been cool. That could work too. Yeah. These are yeah, I like it. these are good notes. Thank you. I like the both of you. Uh, I understand from the music that I do understand the what what kind of music I would be getting from the bands that I do recognize. <laughs> Who did you recognize out of curiosity? I mostly recognize Tears for Fears, but okay. also yeah. um, I think I've heard of the band Bananarama, so I kind of know what they stuff. Yeah, I know Bananarama. I, I know can't Bowie. Hear their stuff. You I, David Bowie. You've like, probably heard Venus. I know Susie and the Banshees, but I feel like the only Susie and the Banshees song I've ever heard is "Face to Face" from Batman Returns. And there's. <laughs> That's the only I one know I that know. Song, what is the song you, uh, he, that Pentheus sings when he goes, Spin Me Right Around? I know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who does that? Dead yeah. or Alive. I know that song. I don't know. I never. I didn't know that it's Dead or Alive, but everyone knows that song. Right. right. So I understand the vibe, but I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Both of you like it. Thank you. Those are great notes. Yeah, no, I don't want to sound like I'm like coming down. Not at all. (laughs) Your idea of turning it like to kind of, (laughs) never did I think I would look to moving out, but to use that form of sort of like, uh, you kind of have the band separate and they're sort of like the storytellers and then you have a dance chorus and there could still be lines in there. But yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, you have like the inherent abstraction of theater in the first place. So it's kind of like lean into it. Which I think would help. Right. And I think it also is, it's, it's, it's aping that ancient theater yeah. vibe. Do you know where your act break is? Did I oh yeah, where's your act break? Uh, Do you have one? If you don't, that's okay. I'm just curious too. I worked out, I had like a couple in mind. I wasn't really sure. My thought was, I mean, there are some kind of natural points where like, they, well, they go off to the mountain. Out of curiosity, the original play, what is it? Like three, five acts? It's like two acts. Really? It's not a long play. Really? Huh. I'm shocked. Okay. If it's two acts, do you know where the act break is in the original play? I don't. Uh, I would probably break it at. I feel like probably along, probably around the point when the bad guys show up for the first time. Yeah, I was when they do something really crazy. Yeah, I was thinking whenever they go and steal all the gold and bronze and babies, like that's probably your end of act one right there. Yeah, because that'd probably be a raucous song. Yeah, and that's like a good like high like heightened moments to like leave you on yeah. so that like you want to come back to act two and see what the fuck happens next yeah right, i would find out what they, they find yeah, what do they steal next yeah. <laughs> but I, that's what i liked about coming up with the the music and the story was like what are the act openers and breaks mm-hmm. and closers going to be because you need you need like showstoppers in different places yeah. and whatnot yeah so yeah that was uh the Bach Eye or the Politics of Dancing. Or, yeah, Bach Eye. Yeah. Bach Eye! Bach is Eye. That's going to be my next one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I kind of screamed when I found that's the song Politics of Dancing. I was yeah. like, oh, could I find a more perfect Frankly, that's like a good title, title. for the musical, really. Yeah. yeah so just, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, Apologies. thank you. Fun times for yeah. sharing. Thank yeah. you guys for the notes. That was yeah. really legitimately great. Well, I cannot wait to find out. Brendan, uh, I know went, went last, so yep. the Next. expectations are high. I know, terrifying. You, you've learned from our mistakes. Yes. You've you've seen us <laughs> yeah. fall down. Now you know how to stand up. Exactly. That's right. You walked so I could run. <laughs> You was, was that quote from that movie that you stood on my shoulders and now I'm standing, I'm on, standing your neck. on your neck? I love that. That's quote such a great so line. What is I'll that from? See that movie. I've, it's a Harrison Ford for life me. I cannot remember Listen what it, it is. Um, it's got well, it's, it's like mostly about the two kids that have an affair. What? Yes, because the Harrison Ford kid and then other guy company kid are like they work for their respective companies and they're both being pressured by their respective CEO dads to like. Knife each other, basically. To, like, corporate espionage each other or something. Um, while the two dads are fighting. I'm are you Googling the I'm line? trying to, I'm yeah. convinced that this is the plot. We should wrap this up, though. We should wrap yeah. this up. Okay. It's called Paranoia. The movie is called Paranoia. Yeah. Well, um, hit up our socials, uh, droppack.com or facebook.com slash whywatchpod. Cast. Cast. Oh, my God. <laughs> so close. 99% of the way. Yep. And, of course... Podcast can be found on your usual yeah. apps and websites. Any of those Spotify, podcatchers you got. Um, Apple Podcasts, what have you. Five stars only. We'll be yep. back uh, in two weeks to talk about I'm with Lucy. Yeah. The uh, Lucy Ball story. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so buy it out. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.